We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. And then to a very, very long week. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always, for locking in today, whether you're watching this on the video side on YouTube, which if you are, please make sure that you like, subscribe, comment on the video. It really helps us grow this channel on the video side. And of course, for the vast majority of you who are listening on the audio side, wherever you get your podcasts from, appreciate you very, very much. Flying solo today won't be a particularly long episode. Uh, Today's premise, what I want to talk about is back in June, not long before Bill's training camp, we did an episode dedicated to power raking all 14 of the Bill's unrestricted free agent signings that Brandon Bean made. And this was before camp. Today, I kind of want to revisit that list. I'm going to run down how I had them ranked back in June from 14 to 1, run through the players, talk about how we felt about them at the time, or at least how I felt about them at the time of the signing and what they've done so far this season now that we're a little bit more than halfway through the regular season. Some of the players have contributed very well, some not so much. Some never saw the light of day with the team. We'll talk about all them today. Um, as far as the next Bills game, Monday night at home, of course, against Denver. I got Tone Pucks on next Monday for our regular. He's on every Monday, so we'll talk plenty of Bills Broncos. We'll also talk Sabres and other stuff as well. So that'll be a Monday show. So today's going to be pretty much just a, uh, a a Friday review, so to speak, of the Bills free agents that Brandon Bean signed during the offseason and how they're looking so far through the halfway point of this year. Uh, before we get going, a couple quick things that I, that I wanted to hit on as well, and then we'll just dive right in. Number one, I guess if you don't listen to the show, if you're new to the show or you don't really follow me on Twitter, stuff like that, you might be thinking to yourself, what the hell? 
is he talking about? I'm supposed to be listening to a, a sports and a, and a Bills podcast right now. But chicken wings is a very big part of my shtick. I've been doing them for quite a while now, for the last five years or so. Actually, a little bit more than that now. I've been going to places, uh, trying wings, writing reviews, talking about them some on the show, coming up with the, an annual, well, this would be two times a year. Now it's been annual. In fact, I haven't even done uh, the latest one, but I power rank every single place that I've had in Western New York. It's been a lot of fun to do. And it, it doesn't bother me that I probably get 10 times the interaction from fans when I put up something about wings. People asking me what I think about a place or giving me their opinion about what they think about a place. I get that reaction far more than when I actually drop a, a sports take on this show or on social media. And I'm cool with that. That comes with the territory. But anyway, here's what I'm getting at. I'm getting, getting ready sometime within the next two weeks to drop my 2023 uh, final list. What I do is I put them in tiers. I think there's like seven different tiers. And then I rank them inside those. And uh, I'm going to save you the mystery. I probably shouldn't be spoiling something before I even put it out there. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Thursday night, and I'm taping this really late in the Thursday going into Friday. My wife and I went to 9-11 Tavern. They were number one on my list. Not last year. That was Elmo's, but the year before. And I'm going to tell you right now, they are going to be back number one on my list. These, without question, are the best traditional, not gimmicky flavors. I'm not talking Cajun, honey mustard, you know, all these different kinds of flavors that so many of these uh, places have, signature flavors. I'm talking straight the hell up, medium or hot wings. 9-11 is the best in the world. I mean, Buffalo is the best wing spot in the world, and this is the best spot in Buffalo. 9-11 Tavern is just unbelievable. And this was my first time back there in at least a year. The owner passed away, and the daughter took over, and I heard about some concern, but I'm going to tell you right now, these wings are as good as ever. And I swear to you, that's the truth. I mean, I stand by these with the utmost of conviction and the stuff that we've talked about previously with 9-11 Tavern for everyone who's watching or for listening, the, the cons, you know, you got the pros, the cons, the cons are still pretty much the same. It is a very small bar there. I think our, I think my wife counted 10, maybe even nine, but no more than 10 tables inside the seating area. There's a bar area. That's not that big. You almost have to like all the stars have to align for you to be able to walk in there certain nights and certain times to be able to sit down and eat. Sometimes you might wait an hour. In fact, quite often you're lucky if you get there and you only have to wait an hour. Some people just get turned away because it's going to be multiple hours before they get a chance to eat. It's cash only. So if you only have a credit card on you, you're screwed. You have to walk across the street to 7-Eleven, hit up that ATM because it's only cash and they stop serving at 8.30 p.m. In fact, a couple came in at 8.37, was just finishing up the wings tonight and said they drove 10 hours from Maine and this was the place that they wanted to go to get wings. And the, the waitress said, well, you're going to have to come back tomorrow. So lots of things to not like about the place, but once the wings come out, they're perfect. I mean it, they're perfect. Their wing sauce is tasty. It's unique. It's different. 
These wings are cooked to perfection. They are crisped to perfection. They're a pretty good size. Everything about these wings, to me, are literally perfect. And again, if you're talking about all different types of wings, then yes, you could talk about Barbell and Elmo's and some of the, the fancy flavors that they make and a lot of other places make. But if you're talking straight up traditional Buffalo wings, and I know we don't call them Buffalo wings in Buffalo, but around the world they're known as Buffalo wings. If you're talking about regular Buffalo wings, 911 Tavern is without question the undisputed king of wings. And there's some elite straight up traditional wings. Sunny Reds comes to mind. Barbell's right up there, a couple others, but none of them could touch 9-11 Tavern. It is a special place, and I think part of the fun is not knowing when they're going to be open or when you're going to be able to get a table. Like, that adventure is part of the fun, at least to me, which is weird because we got really lucky. Again, I went on a, a dinner date with my wife, and we didn't even have to wait. We had a table within 10 minutes, and I probably have had wings there eight, nine times. That has never happened before. And we went on a Thursday at about 7.15. So I don't know what was going on. Like I said, all the stars aligned and uh, it was awesome. So if you haven't had them yet, if you live in Western New York, you're crazy if you had them had it yet. And if you live from out of town, you're a Bills fan, you're coming in sometime for a Bills game. I know a lot of people take to social media, where should I go for wings? And Bar Bill is going to be the overwhelming response. A lot of people will say Duff's. And Duff's is good too, by the way. I should have, don't be sleeping on Duff's with traditional wings. Their wings are right up there as well. But those are the places that people tell you, and they're great. But if you want the best of the best, you want the best traditional buffalo wing in the world, then I'm telling you, folks, go to 911 Tavern. I cannot wait to do my uh, wing rankings and tier show sometime within the next couple of weeks. I did it with Nate Gary last year. Might bring Nate again, back again for it. Uh, this year as well. So anyway, look out for that. And like I said, man, 9-11 cannot go wrong with that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back here, and I'm going to evaluate Brandon Bean's 2023 free agent class. We're only at the halfway point of the season, technically a little bit more. But in some cases, you know, I might have uh, differing takes if we uh, bring these guys up and start talking about them in seven or eight weeks or so. I want to go to the list 
that I have. In fact, I still have my notes, the show notes from the episode. It was on June 20th, and the entire episode was uh, dedicated to power ranking, my personal power ranking, Brandon Bean's 2023 free agent class. There were 14 unrestricted free agent signings. So what I'm going to do is go back to that. I'm going to start at 14 and work my way down to one. This is not what I think is 14 through one now. It's what I thought at the time. So based on that, let us uh, let me pull up my notes here. Get going. All right, number 14 was Cameron Dantzler. He was a former Vikings cornerback. Uh, he signed a one-year deal with the Bills on June 7th. Don't really have anything to say. He was cut very early and never was a, uh, a factor, never really had a chance to make this roster. So he was 14. 13 was Shane Ray. Uh, Shane Ray signed with the Bills in May. He, uh, that was following a tryout. And again, in some cases here, I'm referring to my notes. He, he, had, he tried out for the team during uh, the team's rookie minicamp. He, he came here with some cloud. He was a former first-round pick uh, out of Denver in 2015. I'll tell you this. I thought he had a pretty good training camp. I, I was at a bunch of training camp practices. In fact, the majority of them. And to me, he was one of those guys that I was I was thinking to myself, you know, I, I, this might be a, a nice little story that he's got a chance to make this team. Unfortunately for him, it did not pan out. Hurt his hamstring on the second preseason game against the Pittsburgh Steelers and got placed on IR. So his season was over. I don't remember if there was an injury settlement or not. But one way or the other, he, he's on IR and he was no factor for the Bills. Thought he could have been, but he wasn't. Number 12. I have uh, Traven Howard, linebacker that the Bills signed. Um, he also, along with Shane uh, Ray, signed with the Bills following rookie minicamp tryouts. Never really had a shot. I, he was just, yeah, I think he was here for insurance purposes in case the Bills got hit hard with injuries at linebacker, which they did, but not during training camp. Anyway, guy never had a real shot, and, and he, was, uh, he was cut. Number 11, David Edwards, guard. Uh, he signed a one-year deal with the Bills about a week or so in the free agency. So he was an early signing, a depth signing. Uh, he's a former fifth-round pick of the Rams. was a starting guard the year they won the Super Bowl. I, I like I like David Edwards. I liked him at camp. liked him at the preseason. And I think he's done pretty well so far this year for the Bills in a limited role. He basically is the 2023 version of Bobby Hart. David Edwards is playing the extra offensive lineman, the, the, the tackle eligible, whatever you want to call him. Um, he's only played 58 snaps, but he has an 86.6 run block grade per PFF, which is actually the highest on the whole football team. So I'm going to be honest with you, based on what I saw, at least anyway, at training camp, I remember seeing this take a couple times on the show. I think if David Edwards and Connor McGovern came to the team with the same fanfare, or the same contract, I feel like David Edwards would probably be the starter. But he's not. But I feel good about him as a depth piece. So if Conor McGovern goes down, if the rookie Osiris Torrance goes down, if it's not Ryan Bates, I feel really good about David Edwards being able to come in there and get the job done. That was a good signing for Bean. I had him only ranked as 11th, and I think he's outperformed that. Number 10, we had Kyle Allen sign a one-year deal. Uh, he played with Houston. The year before, Washington for two years before that, Carolina for two years before that. In my notes at the time, I wrote, good friends with Josh Allen, continuing that trend of backup QBs that Josh likes. 
Fortunately, and this goes without saying, Kyle Allen has had no impact on the Bills' season. Fortunately. That means Josh Allen has, I don't want to say he's stayed healthy, but he's not been hurt. Um, Kyle Allen looked terrible over the course of the summer. It was a big, big talking point. He just didn't look good. Not throwing the football well, even in his jersey and shorts. Just did not look good at all. Did not look good in the preseason. So, of course, there was a lot of worry about if Josh Allen went down, Kyle Allen would have to step in. That has not come to fruition, and hopefully it doesn't, because the same shit we said over the summer, we can say it right now. Kyle Allen comes in, and he's got to be your quarterback for any stretch. You're done. This team is finished if Kyle Allen's a quarterback. Hell, this is a team that might fight to make the playoffs with Josh Allen as their quarterback, let alone Kyle Allen. So anyway, no factor. And in this case, you want it to stay that way. Number nine, we have Latavius Murray. Um, the Bills signed him to a one-year deal just two days after the draft ended. Brandon Bean talked about having a deal in place with him on day three of the draft. They weren't going to draft a running back so they could sign him. Uh, 33-year-old dude. Born and lived uh, in Syracuse nearby. Yeah, I think he's been pretty good this year. There was a lot of questions going into camp if he would make the team, which kind of some of them went out the window when Naheem Hines had his unfortunate accident and lost for the season. Um, I thought he looked good in camp. Big. He's so much bigger than the other Bills running backs. It's, it's so noticeable. And I think he's had a pretty decent season for the Bills so far. 42 carries for 147 yards, two touchdowns. It's called 11 passes for 79 yards. He's definitely carved out a role for this team, more so since uh, Damian Harris went down. I think Sean McDermott and maybe even Ken Dorsey just flat out trust Latavius Murray more than James Cook, at least in some circumstances, because Latavius Murray's not going to light, light, light a team up. But I don't think Latavius Murray's going to put, put a ball on the ground. I don't think he's going to miss an assignment. He is a very good pass blocker, especially compared to James Cook, who for all of his skills is a horrible pass blocker. I think that's a big reason why Latavius Murray is getting such a, a big snap workload right now. And I know a lot of people don't like that. They want to see more James Cook. But James Cook, if he's not going out uh, on a route and a passing down, he's almost useless to the Bills. So Latavius Murray's been pretty good. It has started to look like, though, over the last couple of weeks, to be honest, he's hit a little bit of a wall. Um, not that he was ever explosive, but he just seems to be a little bit slower, uh, right now. Maybe that's because he's getting more snaps and reps than the team wanted to, because they did have three capable running backs on this team before, uh, what happened to, to Damian Harris and more on him in a second. So anyway, Latavius Murray ninth, I had him on the list at the time in June. I think he's been fine. I think he's hurt the team at all. Good leader, too, by the way. I'll throw that out there. In fact, the Bills had a an offensive um, players-only meeting before practice on Thursday that supposedly was called for by uh, Latavius Murray. So we'll see what he does in the second half. I know Len Leonard Fournette, by the way, he's not playoff Lenny anymore. As Tone Puck said, he's in the hunt, Lenny. Um, I, I got a feeling it's going to be a short amount of time before he's called up to this active roster, and we'll see how things shake out. Number eight, I had Deontay Hardy. He signed a two-year deal, maxed out at $13.5 million, which included a $5 million signing bonus, or fully guaranteed money, not a signing bonus, I'm sorry. And the Bills signed him on the first day of free agency. So 
That tells me Brandon Bean made him a pretty decent priority for uh, the Buffalo Bills. This is what I said at the time of the first podcast in June. Again, this was before training camp. I said, I think Hardy comes to Buffalo with the expectation of being what they were hoping Isaiah McKenzie would be, the little more consistency. This guy should just bring straight up speed, both at receiver and in the return game. His best season came in 2021, where despite missing three games due to a suspension and COVID issues, he had 36 catches for 570 yards, both second on the team. Well, I'll tell you what, 36 catches for 570 yards in 2021 feels like an eternity ago, like a pipe dream when it comes to his production for this year's Buffalo Bills, because it's just not there. It's just not there. And to me, and I've been, like I said, social media arguing all week long. This has been, to me, one of the biggest arguing points, at least for me anyway. Deontay Hardy's role on this team has been so minimal. And I just don't understand. I know a lot, there's a lot of people out there telling me to do just slow, that he's not fast anymore. The injuries have gotten to him. Maybe I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Anyway, for the whole season, 13 catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. And then he's got three carries for two yards. That's frustrating. I mean, my expectation was at worst he would be what Isaiah McKenzie was. Best case, more than that. He has not even been close to what Isaiah McKenzie was. But it's like, where's the opportunities? I don't know. I, from one little I've seen, I can't, I can't remember the teams off the top of my head, but he caught a touchdown pass on a, I think it was a fourth down play too, coming out of the backfield. I remember a couple of weeks ago, he caught a nice pass that was short of the first down. On the left sideline, he made two guys miss and got the first down. The guy can make plays. I don't know what it is. They're not using him much. They sent him on a, a straight-up deep route that was played well, never really had a chance for a completion against Cincy on, on Sunday night. But I've seen very little of this guy, and, and it frustrates me personally because I, I don't understand. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe everyone else is right. Maybe the critics are right. Maybe he really is slow, and maybe Brandon Bean just made an awful mistake. The way his contract is structured, the Bills could get out easily next year if they don't want to. And based on what we've seen through nine games, I don't know why Brandon Bean wouldn't get out of this contract. It's frustrating. So he is, I animated the time with high expectations, or not high, but reasonably good expectations. And he hasn't lived up to it. The thing is, is I just don't know if I could blame him or just blame uh, a lack of opportunity. I will say one other thing too. Khalil Shakir has played really well in the slot over the last couple of weeks. And I'm sure it has played a role and Deontay Hardy not doing much for the Bills because he's not on the field. But come on, man. You're playing a team like the Bengals. You got you know you're going to have to score. You're going to have to have some explosive plays. And Deontay Hardy played a total of three snaps. Three snaps from the entire game on Sunday night. That pisses me off. Unless there's more to the story uh, that I don't know about. And speaking of guys who just have underwhelmed this year, and this is not a, a pleasant surprise. This is a, a bad surprise here. I had Trent Sherfield at number seven. Uh, the Bills signed him to a one-year deal just a couple days into free agency. And uh, I said at the time, this is a low-key move I like that could potentially be a signing. We talk about at the end of the season as a great one. Well, no, because we're nine games in and Trent Sherfield has seven catches 
for 53 yards. Not in any one game, not for a stretch, but for the season. Seven catches, nine games, and only 53 yards. He's straight up has been a non-factor. I'm waiting to see a big Trent Shurfield. I'm waiting to see a meaningful Trent Shurfield play. It is uh, it's frustrating. It just goes to the offense. And, you know, I, I got to say, we understand how things work. I understand. Most of you do, too. You only got one football. And you want Stefan Diggs to eat. He's got to eat first. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Then you got a tight end. You use a first-round draft pick on him. You want to get him the football. And they're getting him the football a lot more now. He's been really good the last three weeks here. You got Gabe Davis, your number two receiver. One game, one catch. Next game, nine catches. Next game, zero catches. Complete inconsistency. But you, you, you want to force him the ball a little bit at least. Get him involved. Like I said, Khalil Shakir's been pretty good. You want to be able to run the football. You want to be able to use James Cook as, as a weapon out of the backfield in the receiving game. So there's only one football. I get it. But just like with Deontay Hardy, I'm just stunned that Trent Shurfield has not been able to carve out any uh, real, role on this, real role on this football team. It's really frustrating. On number six at the time, we had Brandon Shell. Uh, he signed a one-year deal with the Bills. And I said at the time, I want to be real clear, I have him ranked this high, not because I love him as a player, but I think he's set to play an important role in this team and conceivably end up as a starter at right tackle at some point. All right, so you go out, you sign the veteran Brandon Shell. You figure, worst case, he's going to beat out David Quisenberry, which David Quisenberry didn't make this team anyway, and Brandon Shell is your swing tackle. Best case, if, if Spencer Brown goes down or plays terrible, you know, Brandon Shell could step in as a decent starting run tackle. Well, the good news is Spencer Brown has stayed healthy. The better news is Spencer Brown has played pretty damn well this year, actually. I, I think Spencer Brown has been a, an asset to the office, not a liability. Uh, the bad news is he better keep doing that because Brandon Shell retired. <laughs> Brandon Shell retired, so he, he's not even on the Buffalo Bills. Not really much more to add when it comes to him. Number five on the list, we had Damian Harris. I signed a one-year deal with the Bills on March 20th, so early in free agency. Um, what I'm trying to look at what I wrote here. Not elusive in short spaces like Singletary because Singletary signed with Houston on that same day. But I think he's much tougher between the tackles. Uh, two years ago, he ran for over 900 yards, 15 touchdowns. Um, and I said, assuming he beats out Latavius Murray on the depth chart, he can find himself a pretty decent timeshare with James Cook. Well, that was happening. Um, 23 carries, 94 yards and a touchdown. Nine of his 23 carries went for a first down. I thought Damian Harris looked good in his role. I thought he was very productive and useful in his limited usage for the Bills. And maybe as the season goes on, he'd get more and more involved. Unfortunately, that came to an end. He suffered a, a neck injury. He's on IR. Who knows if he's coming back? Probably not. Hope he does, but certainly wouldn't bet on it. Um, it's a shame too, because I, I think he's a good player, nothing against Latavius Murray, no disrespect to him, but we talk about Latavius maybe hitting a wall a little bit right now at this point in the season. I think Damian Harris would be fresher and would be the number two running back. He'd be playing for sure at this point over, uh, Latavius Murray, but unfortunately he got hurt. Not really. You can't blame Brandon Bean for that. You can't account for injuries when you sign a, a free agent like that. 
Number four on the list, we had Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp signed a one-year deal with the Bills on March 27th. Uh, he visited the Patriots before that. I remember at the time thinking this was a big score uh, for the Bills. And we talked about last year's safeties in June and you know how thin they got. You know, Micah Hyde missed most of the season and Jordan Poyer was walking wounded last year. And it just, it, Dean Marlowe had to play. Cam Lewis had to play. So, Cam, so signing Taylor Rapp felt like a really, really big uh, addition to the Bills. I said at worst, he'd be very solid depth. And even if Hyde or Boyer stay healthy, I bet he has a role in his defense. I could see him as a linebacker and some dime packages for sure. Lots of things you could scheme with him. Good depth this year. Potential bring back as a starter in the offseason if you lose Poyer or Hyde. Um, well, he hasn't really done anything. I mean, let's just be honest here. We're nine games in. He's looked slowish to me. Uh, he hasn't tackled great. He hasn't been a, a real factor in any asset of the defense. 155 snaps he's played this year. It's not a lot. And he has the lowest PFF grade of anyone on the Bills defense at 36.2. So big disappointment. And with Micah Hyde nursing and next stinger, Jordan Poyer missing practice this week with the shin injury, Taylor Rapp might get another opportunity to step up. And if he does, hopefully he'll take advantage of it because so far this season, not much at all on the positive side for him. Number three, we have Puna Ford signed a one-year deal with the Bills on May 2nd, uh, days after the Bills did nothing on the defensive tackle position in the draft. They didn't address it at all. Uh, he spent five years with Seattle. At the time I wrote, I was surprised. He's a guy I heard a lot of free agency buzz about and being a good fit for the Bills before free agency even started. Didn't think the Bills would be able to afford him, but turns out Ford was willing to sign a prove-it deal. Very team-friendly, $3.25 million. Um, I said he'll bring a lot to this unit. And uh, I'm just looking at my notes because I feel like a dummy right now when I'm reading some of the stuff that I said out loud back in June. I said I like the addition of Puna Ford a lot. Well, fast forward to nine games in, and Puna Ford has done absolutely zero. Zero. They needed one time, one game this year, when DeGuan Jones was already out, very likely for the season, and Ed Oliver was injured, did not play against the Patriots. Puna Ford got an opportunity to start and play a lot against the Patriots, and he was dreadful. Horrific. Him, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips. It's like those three had a contest that week to see who could be the worst defensive tackle. And guess what? They all won. All of them. Brutal. He's been inactive four times. And now that the Bills have signed Laval Joseph, it's probably as long as no one else gets hurt in that defensive tackle spot, he's going to uh, continue to be inactive. They got five defensive tackles. Four of them play on game day. And without question, right now at this point, Puna Ford is that fifth tackle. Number two, two more here, Connor McGovern. Uh, he was the very first Bills addition via free agency. They signed him to a three-year, $23 million contract, $8 million signing bonus, $1.9 million base for 2023, uh, cap hit of $5.8 Next year, five point three five in 2025. At the time, we talked about the contract, which still stands. If he's a disaster, it's structured. Uh, the Bills can get out as early as after this season. Uh, we talked about in June, pretty much what the national media said, what the advanced stats say, which is funny because I'm sitting at the top of the show 
last in advance stats, and now I'm citing them because it fits my narrative, which is a thing that I hate, but everybody, including me, apparently does. The book on Connor McGovern in Dallas, very good pass blocker, very shitty run blocker. 2023, fast forward again, nine games later, and that's what you're getting with him because that's what he is. He's been decent, not bad. His pass blocking has been 72.2. That's his PFF grade, second best on the O-line behind only Deion Dawkins. Run blocking, disaster, 49.2. That's awful. It's the worst on the team, offensive line, by far, by far. He's been okay. I guess okay maybe isn't all that bad. He replaced Roger Saffold. Is he better than Roger Saffold? Sure. It feels like we heard Roger Saffold's name way too much in 2022. And when you're a guard, you know how it goes. Usually the less, if you're a center or a guard, the less you hear that person's name during a game, usually that means they're playing all right. And you haven't heard a lot about Connor McGovern this year. So he's been decent. He's been all right. Number one on this list in June, and the same guy I would put number one on my list today is Leonard Floyd. He signed a one-year deal with the Bills back on June 5th, seemingly out of nowhere. Uh, pretty much since free agency had started, I, I wanted the Bills to add to the pass rushing front, and they did. Um, Leonard Floyd's been a, a good signing, and we kind of knew going in what he was. Three straight years with at least nine sacks. Didn't quite know how he was going to fit into this rotation, but he's been, I think he's given them everything that realistically Brandon Bean could ask for or more. He's got seven sacks this year, which is 12th best in the NFL. And he has played, I think it's at least 50 less snaps than anyone in that top 11 ahead of him. And like 100 more than like nine of those 11. So he's not getting the reps that some of the stars that are up there at the top of the, of the sacks leaders are getting. But he's been really good. He's been really good. He's been good since the first drive against the Jets all the way through Cincinnati. I like Leonard Ford a lot. Um, you don't got to play him too much. You know what he is. He's not the greatest run defender, but he can get after a quarterback. The hope is that you get into the final quarter of the season and the Bills are right there in the mix and that Vaughn Miller is 100%, which he supposedly is getting closer to, but he's still not making any plays. But if he is at that point, you got Vaughn Miller healthy, and you got Leonard Floyd on the other side, it could cause some problems, and they're going to have to get to the quarterback because some of the quarterbacks they're playing down the stretch, Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Tua, Jalen Hurts, eesh, they're going to need that pass rush to be better than it's been this season. And it's been statistically anyway pretty good. So anyway, those are your... 14 free agents. Upon review, Leonard Floyd has been a great signing. Connor McGovern has been a decent starter. Uh, I like David, David Edwards in, in, a, in what limited role he has. But when you look at some of these other guys, you were really hoping for more. And by the way, Latavius Murray has been fine as well. Uh, Damian Harris was on his way to being fine. Just, again, injuries. You can't really uh, counter you know, you, you can't bank on something like that happening. Disappointing, though, to be honest with you, as a whole, because Hardy and Sherfield, I really thought, in fact, I talked about this over and over, the Bills' depth at wide receiver is so much better now than it was last year. 
saying that guys like Hardy and Sherfield were going to be better than like McKenzie and wash up Cole Beasley and wash up John Brown and Jay Kumro before he got hurt. Well, they're not getting anything out of these positions. And that's been really, uh, really disappointing. Taylor Rapp has been really disappointing. And for me, maybe the most disappointing person on this whole list was Puna Ford because I expected Puna Ford to come in, be that backup to Daquan Jones, play, actually be active every week, play maybe 40 to 47% of the snaps and have a strong presence on this team. Maybe not statistically, but trust me, just like with Daquan Jones, you know that the guy's on the field just been completely invisible when he's actually even dressed uh, for the game. So anyway, that is my list here, and that's going to do it for this show. We will be back, like I said, a, a long week next week. Bills play on Monday night. Tone Bucks will kick it off on Monday. I'll have shows all week. Jandy Domenicis will be live next week at Imperial Pizza. That's it for today. Have a good weekend. Be back. Brand new episodes on Monday.